G'day Footyology listeners, Roko here. Enjoy our podcast? Well, you can become an official Footyology podcast supporter simply by using the supporter feature through ACAST. There's no subscription or regular commitment, just the sheer satisfaction that comes with knowing you've kept the debt collectors from our door. No, just kidding. It does help though. If you want to get started, you just need to follow the support this show link in the show description. Thanks again. And now let's get on with it. Welcome to the Footyology Podcast with Rowan Connolly and Mark Fine. G'day everyone, welcome to the Footyology Podcast Round 3 Review Edition. What another intriguing round of football we've had. Controversy, upsets, great footy, great individual performances. Terrific weekend of footy. Well, weekend, spent four days, but lots of highlights and lowlights and drama to talk about, as I say, very good evening to my co-host, Mark Fine. How are you, Finey? I'm very well. I always defer to our great sponsors at the top of the program. If I could have anything now, it would be my mouth around an Andrews hamburger. It is the best burger in Melbourne because it's old school, 80 years old, or young, this year. 144 Bridport Street in Albert Park. Beautiful Real potato chips in the French fry, you know, the chips. It's made, made with tender, loving care. We know that. It's actually a burger. It's not a pretense. It's not a pretentious um, sandwich. No. You know? No. And Nick Spartels and Hardwick Buildco, same area, the southeast of Melbourne in a city. They're builders to the stars. Is Mike Sheen a star? Because they build his own. Well, these days, yeah, I guess he is. Yeah. Scott Pendlebury? Oh, Definitely. And I reckon Dyson Heppel after this, oh, he's a star. after Thursday, after Friday night, he's his a star. star is in the ascendancy. And their houses are made with tender, loving care too. They're oh. made with the best. I tell you what, they are top builds. Think about them if you've got coin. All right, well, let's talk about uh, the upshot of all this. Uh, only two unbeaten sides. How? What sort of odds would you have got on after three rounds, the two unbeaten sides in the AFL being Geelong and Brisbane? They always say what sort of odds you would have got. Whatever it would have been, would have been unders because, I look, Brisbane, I expected to improve. Geelong, I think they're a bit of a surprise. And a couple of other teams you thought might have been undefeated at this stage. In fact, one of them hasn't won a game yet, red and blue. Yes, and what about the team who I think a lot of us thought would be winless after 23 rounds and how, has won two games? How close to being undefeated are they? <laughs> well, and we talk, of course, about Gold Coast. Incredible performance by them, which we will come to in the wraparound. But, I mean, if this is indicative of what the season's going to be like, we're in for a, a treat, aren't we? This is great. I mean, this is the definitive good for football, what's going on, I reckon, results-wise. We're so lucky to be supporters of a competition that, at the right time, it, it would have been very hard. I was thinking about it the other day. It would have been difficult in 2019, the way the world is and with uh, corporate responsibility and fiscal management overriding just about any decision of heart or, or common sense, I reckon it would have been hard to impose a salary cap and a draft on a multi-now-billion-dollar organisation like the AFL. Yep. I think there would have been complaints from lawyers and from players' representatives. When it was brought in, though, it was still feasible. And I just look at other sporting competitions around the world, and they honestly must be 
really inwardly very jealous of a major sporting competition that can say to all its supporters and all its stakeholders, anybody can win most years. It is the most uh, successful functioning example of socialism the world has ever seen. Better than North Korea? Oh, absolutely. Everybody. Absolutely. And, well, I guess so, because everybody eats. All right. I, I think we should uh, muck around no longer. I think we should get into a comprehensive review of all nine games. On Footyology, wrap around. Okay, here we go. Let's go all the way back to Thursday evening at Adelaide Oval. Geelong, 14-15-99. 24-point winners over the Crows. 10-15-75 in front of 45,500 people at Adelaide Oval. Great effort again by the Cats, I thought. But I was confident they'd produce it. I am uh, increasingly having a lot of faith in this version of Geelong. How do you see it? You did have faith. I now have a burgeoning respect for Geelong's new look lineup that allows their star players to be used in a most effective manner by a very canny coach. Uh, what am I saying? Ablett and Dangerfield go forward and they can do so for extended periods because of the responsibility in the midfield. Tim Kelly is an important player. Look, we don't know how long he's going to be Geelong for. He seems to have a pull to get back to WA, but I reckon as long as he's there and the other three are up and running, they're a very good team. Stanley's been great. Don't forget, I mean, they also give Joel Selwood the freedom to play from wing. the wing. Oh, big difference. Mitch Duncan remains a very important part of the lineup as well. He but, was very good. You know, Mark Blitzav's first two weeks played as a solely defensive fullback. He was back on his bike this week, covered more Ks than anybody else on the ground. It just means that the coach has, he's got tools at his behest. He can make moves. These, I reckon at the moment, Geelong have more um, flexibility and variety in the 22 they send on the ground than any other team in the comp. And that is proving a step too far for the opposition. And they've certainly got a lot more than they've had previously. And I know you want to expand on the Cats in Hot or Not. So yes. let's talk about the Crows for a minute. I've I've backed the Crows. I, I tipped them to win the flag last year, coming off that losing grand final. Last year, a nightmare. I thought they'd bounce back strongly. And look, they still might. But I've got to say, increasingly, I'll look at them and I look at Eddie Betts, not quite what he was. I look at Tex Walker, not quite what he was. I look at the midfield. Oh, he's exactly what he is. Well, hang on, let's not hear my point first. I look at their midfield group. It doesn't have the depth of, say, Geelong's. And I just wonder if 2017 was their big chance and they might just not quite be at that sufficient level again. It's not looking good for them. Their midfield should be as deep as any in the comp. Look, the two Crouchers, Sloan and various other visitors. Atkins. Yeah, it should be good. Nice. I think that can be a, a point of improvement. But they talk about players that are barometers. I Barometers measure barometric pressure. I think more a thermometer. Because doesn't a thermometer measure how hot you are? I thought you were going to say because you stick it up your... Up yeah, your, up your clacker. Well, not always. You can put it under your tongue. Yeah, no, I don't care where you better. stick this thermometer. But there's a player in their team, and I'm not taking a set against this bloke, but the fact that he again plays every week, he's in their 22, and he invariably is a nice little bit of... Ex- David Mackay. Correct. 
He's a nice little bit of extra, you know, extra cream on your pud if they win, but he ain't doing anything if they're losing. And and three years on from David Mackay being David Mackay, nothing against you, David. You could probably go to another team, be slightly reinvented, and be quite a good player. But I'm just saying in Adelaide, you're doing the same thing you've done for three years. And in those three years, Adelaide hasn't been a premiership team. And the fact that you're still there doing it shows that nothing really has developed very much there. And, and I reckon... There's just, no David Swan Mackay. Oh, spot on. And he pronounces it differently. Mackay, mm. like the uh, like the prison guard from Porridge. Oh, he was a great actor, that Scott, Scott Scotsman. I'm just saying this. Underrated, I reckon one of their very best players uh, got injured in round one and was out for the year. Dodie. Do day, do day, do day. It doesn't matter. But he, Camp he town. but he's certainly a much more um, attacking backman than say Alex Keith or the replacement. Yeah, well, they might have lost another significant player too in Paul Seedsman. I, I think he has oh, become an. I, I think he's become an important. I know he's a lovely kick. I know he's a lovely kick. But honestly, if 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 Paul Seedsman was in the Sandful or doing a second year law degree and hadn't played footy for two years, I don't think the footy world would have said, "Why isn't Seedsman playing anymore?" Mm. Well, it was a disappointing result at home. And oh, but by the way, latest reports on Seedsman were positive. Yeah, well, it's not an ACL. It's still a serious knee injury, though. Okay. Um, so the zero from two from home, the Crows now, and the one they've won is away, and uh, maybe that'll give them some hope for next week. They play North Melbourne how many vo- Marvel how many- Stadium. Sorry to interrupt. How many votes Dangerfield so far? Uh, Eight or nine? At least six. Yeah, at least six. He's been terrific. But, um, you know, Geelong's best were basically the whole roll call of midfielders. So great win for them. Um, Adelaide already with a few issues. All right, I've looked forward to talking about this one all day, Finey. Oh, ye of little faith, I want to say to you, because I did go out on a limb, admittedly. I don't need to have faith in this. I, I, t- I tipped the Bombers. Uh, I... I I thought they simply had to respond, and they did. It was a really good performance. Little um, worrying patch in the second quarter when the Demons slammed on seven goals straight. What were you saying about Zach Clark, sort of at halftime? Uh, because really, saying, he should have he should have iced a goal by handballing that would have put you well ahead in that second quarter. I was saying uh, I don't know what he's on, but gee, I wouldn't mind trying some of it. There were some spectacular. Uh, brain explosions going on for old Zach or Freddie Boom Boom Washington, as I prefer to call him, because he looks like that character from Welcome Back, Cotter. Um, but that aside, I thought the Essendon senior blokes really stood up. None better than Dyson Heppel, who I will expand on in Hot or Not. Credit where it's due. I've been critical of this guy on occasions over the years, but I thought David Zaharakis played one of his very best games for the Bombers. I thought he was terrific. Your mate, uh, Mac Tip, as you call him, but uh, Tipper, Waller, Anthony McDonald, Tip and Woody was terrific up forward with four goals. Um, and they had winners all over the ground, really. I just thought they um, they played good footy. They got on. They got their running game going. They looked dangerous when it went forward. And uh, how badly did Melbourne, in contrast, get exposed at the back? I mean, it was ridiculous how open their defence was at times. And... They've got some real issues. Mind you, costly victory in this sense. Sean McKernan, and I don't know how many times this has happened, but he played a terrific game. Kick four, Mark Strongly. He's out for at least the next eight weeks with a particularly bad 
hamstring tear. And Kobe Much, who's only playing his fourth game, but he's out for even longer, I think 10 weeks. So uh, Joe Danaher can't return quick enough for the Bombers. But it, it was a really good response from them. The big if is can they actually keep it going? But uh, last year they showed once the they sort of made that response, they were able to keep it going. What about Melbourne? They're 0-3. The figures on 0-3 teams, Finey, are that in the last 11 seasons, there's been 36 of them. One of them has gone on and made the finals. I don't even care about the 0-3 stats. How about the stats? I don't need to check them. Just How about Melbourne being 0-3? They're as fragile as a, one of those ice carvings at a wedding about two hours in. They're, they're dripping, they don't look like they should, and they're about to collapse. The truth is, maybe we, especially after round three and what we saw late in round three, maybe we underestimated, underestimated St Kilda's pressure on Essendon. Uh, sort of just assumed it was all Essendon's fault. But... When not pressured, Mac Tip, as I do call him, and Fantasia quickly got back to their menacing, damaging best. The midfield, look, Zaharakis did not start brilliantly. Even Dyson Heppel, who I thought was clearly best on ground, had some moments early, some lingering doubts. And rather than play on these and prey on these, Melbourne opened the door and said, We've been waiting for you in your form. Come on through. Brayshaw and Oliver were... Oliver's a very good player. I don't know what excuse we continue to make for Viney. Is he coming back from an injury? Uh, needs two or three games to get right? But there always seems to be for, mm. for, for young Viney a... Um, he's not 100%. Or, but, mate, now's go time, son. Learned a very good lesson about Tom McDonald. Maybe as a second banana forward, as a foil, okay. But as the only key forward, he looks more and more like a backman every week. Well, they're asking a lot of him and Wiedemann as a tandem. Wiedemann's a beautiful kick, but he's not mm. a great mark yet. The two defenders, O, Mad- o McDonald, O McDonald, boy, what does O stand for? Old McDonald? Because if it does, he should go back on the farm. And Sam Frost, whoa. Who was it that outbodied him in the goal score? Was it Bagley? It was yep. just such a poor piece of play by Frost. Yeah. No, Melbourne have got issues. No, they have, and I'm not, the numbers would suggest they can't recover from here. A couple of uh, little quick observations. The jumper suggests they can't recover from here. What do you mean? Melbourne can't recover from here. Not, not any precedence of other clubs. Melbourne's resilience in the last, ever since I've been alive and I'm 53, mm. says that they can't recover from here. A uh, couple of other little observations about the Bombers. Darcy Parrish, I thought his second half was terrific. Andy McGrath, I think he's a very, very cool head and a very steady player. And I think they want to use him more as a midfielder, but geez, valuable down off the halfback line as well. Um, and the other point I wanted to make was just about Dylan Shield, who was copying the critical rounds of the kitchen at halftime for his poor efficiency and it was Dermot, I thought he was good well I thought he was good too in and, the first half I mean and yeah well Dermot Brereton to his credit came out and said yeah well you can harp on about his efficiency but he's also the only bloke actually getting a touch yeah, in he, the second quarter he was breaking the lines yeah. I thought he was good no I thought he was good too and I think sometimes people get a bit uh, over analytical about a game can I say about one player yep 
He's, he shares a name with the most prominent department store in Victorian history. Oh, yeah. But he's not the most prominent footballer. He was crook. Oh, okay. He just doesn't... Talking about Henry Coles. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I mean, Myers just... I, I don't see him enough. No, no, he doesn't He doesn't get enough of the ball. Um, and he has He has certainly hasn't started this year in great form, but I'm told he was ill, and that was the reason he's he ob- was a late withdrawal. And his obvious replacement couldn't play because he's injured, Laverde. So, you know. Yeah, well, I was really happy with his replacement, Jordan Ridley. I thought he shouldn't have been dropped in the first place, and I doubt he will be dropped now. Okay, that is enough on the Bombers and the Demons. Let's move on. All right, first game on a crowded Saturday schedule, and it was a marvellous Marvel Stadium, and it was Carlton up against Sydney, and another win to Sydney. They do like playing at Marvel Stadium or Docklands. Final score, the Swans, 14-9-93, 19-point winners over the Blues, 10-14-74. I'm going to throw it to you, Finey, after I say this perhaps provocative statement. I firmly believe that if Paddy Dow and Harry Mackay had to kick goals instead of points within the first three minutes of this game, both absolute gimmies, I think Carlton would have won. Really? Yep. I don't. I don't at all. Okay. I think. Tell me why. Well, I think Sydney sat on them and flexed now what is limited muscle to just cruise past them. They lost Will Haywood. Not that I think he's very important, but they were down a rotation. They Their obvious match winner was being well held by Liam Jones. And Franklin was having a frustrating afternoon. Their biggest problem, though, Carlton, was that they have a great leader in Cripps that gets the ball out of contested situations and stoppages, and then who does he give it to? Hmm. Mark Murphy... He plays for free kicks a bit. He's a bit. He's not as. He's he's clever. He's very clever. I Mark. thought he was all right. He was. I'm right. saying he's clever, but he's not a line breaker. Mm. And when you get somebody like Cripps taking on the taking on the muscle, the ball needs to go to somebody who breaks clear. Most teams have that player. Mm. Unfortunately, Carlton do not have that player. Uh, you know whether it's Bontempelli or. Or Martin, or the, you need that player, Adam Trelaw, Andrew Gaff. For Carlton, I think they've got one who could develop into one of those players, and his name's Zach Fisher. I rate him but really he's, highly. He's he's elusive. Okay, look, Sydney won that game. Carlton challenged them in the third quarter. Sydney won that game by sort of dint of just being able to get the ball forward cleaner than Carlton did. I, I don't know what the inside 50s were. I reckon Carlton had more than Sydney, it felt to um, me. I think they were relatively even. I mean, the Blues were still a winning chance with five, ten minutes left. Not uh, really. Oh, Not, yeah, I don't were. think so. They were, they, Levi Casbolt had a shot at goal to get him within, I reckon, 11 points. I, you know what happened when he took that? It was a mark, wasn't it? Yeah. You know what happened when he took the mark? The Carlton fans were excited. Yeah! Oh, it's Levi. Yeah, no, you they, can, you can they hear expect the, him to You could hear the excitement and then the collective groan when they realised it was him. Yeah. But Mitch McGovern up to his... Mitch McGovern injured again, is he? Uh, or yeah. Or just playing dead? But that takes me back to 
the initial point I made. When you're a side like Carlton, you've got to, every post has to be a winner, and there's nothing as deflating as getting off to a really exciting start full of momentum, and then you miss two absolute gimmies like that. It just deflates you. What's the worst position not to fill on a football field in 2019? Uh, worst position not to fill, yeah, or the like most costly not the having co- one. Costly not having a proper one. Um, Time's up. Uh, no, I, I reckon ruck. I think you can get torn apart in the ruck. Yeah. They've got no ruckman. Sinclair was best on ground. Yeah, I don't know if you. I mean, Phillips played two weeks. They had to drop him. We'll talk about this because I, I thought Brody Grundy uh, for Collingwood was pretty dominant last night, and yet. The raw numbers uh, and the way the game panned out showed that West Coast were able to actually exploit that. Yeah, but you still need a good ruckman or a, or a method around it. You can't let the opposition ruckman just slowly but surely win the win the game, and that's yeah. really what happened. No, just, Sinclair was good in the it end. Just good. every stoppage and every time the ball went in his direction, it was good enough. Carlton have two <clears throat> thermometers in their team: Paddy Dow and Liam Jones. Sorry, what's your definition of a thermometer? Well, if they're going well, the team's going well. Oh, yeah. I'm assuming that's a case because I turned on the TV last night and I heard about the Dow Jones index. Yeah. And oh, very good. <laughs> and it was up. I was slow on that. <laughs> I, I, Dow Jones up. I did think Jones was pretty reasonable on Franklin. <laughs> Franklin did. He got bloody frustrated. Yeah, he did. He did. Um, so, quick word on the Swans. Uh, I, I'm still not uh, – yeah, I'm still worried about him. Thought that was just you a win. Be, you should be worried about them. Yeah. They're going, they, also, it looked at the end of the game, ooh, a bad injury for an older player, McVeigh. He was oh, just yeah. kicking the ball out from fullback. Yep. And he grabbed the outside of his upper thigh. Yep. Ooh, yep. So off the mark, at least for the Swans and the Blues, well, yeah, they'd be getting tired of those honourable defeats. Yeah. All right. Let's get on to the next game. And it was GWS against Richmond, and in the end, a crushing win for the Giants. 19-11, 125-49-point victors over the Tigers. 10-16-76. Hard to believe, looking at that final score, that fairly late in the third quarter, it was still quite close, and the Tigers, I thought, was still a reasonable chance, finally. But... Um, Hats off to the Giants. I think I've I've got them wrong. It looks like that already. 12 goals out of a key forward duo. You don't see that too often. But seven to Cameron, five to Finlayson, who uh, initially they were playing as a defender. Uh, Tigers got four out of Lynch, three to Rioli. But uh, no doubt GWS had the Lions or Giants share of the best players on the ground. Throw Toby Green into that forward line. It's yeah. starting to be... One of the more delectable ones in the AFL, I would have thought. Well, they had that, didn't they? They they had that um, incredibly potent forward set up. And then last year, they seemed to lose it. They seemed to become this overly defensive, overcautious sort of side. And they lost that flair. I think they've recovered the balance of that between defence and offence this season. Well, Pey- Peyton's may never play for them again. So this is their forward line. Patton. Yeah, Patton. Because he's going where the other patient played. Ian Payton. Oh, that's where he's going. <laughs> where? He's going to Hawthorne. Yeah. Oh, right. You reckon? Oh, no, that's out and about. Oh, I, a... I heard another big name potentially playing. Oh. I'm trying to remember who it was. Oh, anyway, I, go I, on, believe, I believe Patton will, you know, 
make his mark at Hawthorne. Oh, Cornelio. That's right. Someone said today Cornelio might end up at Hawthorne. I think Patton's there. Anyhow, so they've moved on, I think, finally mentally from not having that Patton Cameron forward line. Finlayson's been very good. He's a... He's a, a he performs in abbreviated tones, much like Tom McDonald did last year when he had another forward to work with. Mm. I don't know whether I'd be as ebullient about Finlayson if Cameron wasn't there. Mm. Uh, add Toby Green, you've got a forward line. Add Josh Kelly, as they did w- this week to the midfield, and it gets better, doesn't it? So here's a team that went had to sort of go backwards to go forwards, but I think they've gone forwards. As for Richmond, first time in two and a bit years that they've actually... Um, had injuries. Well, I shouldn't say that because they had that crazy game against St Kilda during their premiership season. But apart from that crazy game. Now, you know what? Even that crazy game, they sort of outscored St Kilda in the second half. But this was the first time in two and a bit years where, like a poor team, they gave up at the end. They just were, but it's a, they it were is, overrun, like but a poor it, team. It is the first time in over two years they've had injuries. Yeah, I mean, the I'm year so, they yeah, won that. They, yeah, of course. They, how's this? I, I can't get over this number. The year they won the flag... Um, Rance, Rewalt, Cochin, and Martin, out of a possible 100 games, played 98. That, but they are four, four of the more durable players in the AFL. Well, ha- whole, had been. Their whole career had been yeah. marked by durability. Look, Richmond supporters, and Richmond, the club will tell you that year, they had no intention of playing that small forward line. They lost no, I know. Griffiths, and just yep. things didn't work out. Todd Elton. So maybe, is there some, but is there something in that? They were forced into playing a particular way, but it's a way. We were talking about this last night on on AW actually. That it's a taxing way to play footy. The of amount, it is. the it amount is. of work rate that enormous, their forwards and their mids have to do. Enormous demands on a small forward to not only be a pressure forward, but to hit the scoreboard, and in many cases also to fly for contested marks. Guys like Edwards and. Rioli, and they all had to compete in the air as well. It's very taxing. Well, to that end, they're missing Josh Kelly. Of course they are. Yeah. They're missing Bachelor Hawley and Sean Grigg. Yeah. To all those ends. But, Rowan, I'm just saying that ve- tick, tick, tick to everything you said, but for two and a bit years, they did it to the final siren every week. I'm sure they'll do it again next week. I really have faith in them. But I'm just saying for the first time in, the, in that period, they turned their toes up. Yeah, no, it wasn't good the way it ended. Um, it was a real toe-turner. Upper? Yeah, yeah, no, it was. Uh, they've got Port Adelaide away this week, too. Not good, not good. And Port was on a game, the rebound. I think, was that a game they lost last year, or did they win that in the end? It was close, from memory. A tough game, a tough game to head, a little bit bashed up mentally. And, and uh, plus, no Rance, no Rewalt, still potentially no Hawley. And I, I suspect no Martin. I reckon he's going to get a week for that elbow. Did you see? Yeah, I did see. Okay, it. so quickly, your views on that? Uh, I think he could do with the week off. Yeah, probably. Mind and body. Yeah. Yeah, frustrated man. The coach is pretty yeah. frustrated too. Maybe he could do with a week yep. off. Yep. All right, good win for the Giants, and they are clearly looking a force to be reckoned with, yep. In what's been a difficult start, no, a, a poor start for Richmond. Special credit. Given to Tom Lynch, who's looked very good, playing very well. Yeah, kick four. I thought he was... But, yeah. And a bit of a presence, yeah. too. No, I thought he was all right. Yeah. Okay, that's enough on that game. Uh, Saturday night, two uh, intriguing games. One of them, of course, the grand final rematch. 
Well, we knew if uh, this game was half as good as last year's grand final, it was going to be a corker. Uh, I, I defer to you on this. You read this game beautifully. I just did not see the beauty and strength of West Coast as you have you did prior to the game. So I defer to you on this. Oh, one. well, I, I just, uh, after the first quarter, in fact, in, in a lot of ways, it was very similar to the grand final. Collingwood got the jump on them, certainly in terms of general play. Didn't have the same scoreboard impact. They were only two goals up at quarter time. But after that, West Coast just really reeled them in. They stopped giving their midfield so much space. They really tightened up on Pendlebury. Hutchings went on to him. Um, you know, Dane Beams, they managed to sort of close him down a bit. Trelaw didn't really get off the chain. Sidebottom had a period there in the third quarter where he started to run amok. But it's such a big group of midfielders, the Collingwood contingent, that to close essentially most of them down to less than they usually are was no mean feat. And and the West Coast mids also played well themselves. I thought Sheed was terrific. I thought Shuey was really good. Their defence, you just expected their defence now. Hearn and McGovern, terrific rebound, terrific intercepts. And Barras is a good, puts his body oh, yeah, in no, every he's, time. He's Spoil- underrated. A spoiler. Yeah, and up forward, uh, Jamie Cripps, smart player. Why didn't he do that at St Kilda, Fine. He, he, he didn't want to beat St Kilda. Yeah. He never wanted to be there. But he never looked they never half wanted, as he good, He never did he? wanted to beat St Kilda. Yeah. Yeah, no, fair enough. Um, Kennedy... This is the other thing about West Coast. Yeah, yes, I really rate them, and I, I've tipped them to win the flag again, but here's some of the reasons why. I mean, they've got the best squadron of tall, mobile key forwards of any side in the comp. You know, Kennedy, Darling, you've got Vardy up there. Um, Oscar Allen looks a really, really good prospect, and you've you still got Nat Nui to come back, plus you've got Hickey in there. You'd think, gee, that's too much height, surely, but they're they're so mobile that you don't really notice it. And... To counteract that at ground level, you've got Liam Ryan. He, he could be anything, Liam Ryan. Willie Rioli hasn't even played yet, but they just calmly uh, pluck, in, pluck and put in this guy, Petrocelli, who, if he's not the quickest player in the AFL, fine. He, God, that guy's got wheels. Anyway, it all came together for them. They tightened up on the pies. They managed to start uh, getting a bit of spread, run and spread themselves. Uh, smart near goal, and they just held Collingwood at arm's length, really, after quarter time, and um, did it pretty comfortably in the end. 22 points, 15-8-98, defeating the Pies 11-10-76 in front of 60,000 people. Their fourth win in a row over the Pies, their fourth win in a row at the MCG. This is a team right at the top of its game, and I think there's a lot of scope for them to get better. Do you know there were six changes to the grand final side, and yet they didn't really miss a beat. Excellent analysis. This is a team that when Natanui went down for the second time, it sort of people sort of wrote them off that their superstar wasn't there and it was doom and gloom. We know what's happened since. I, I just want to talk about two very interesting matchups on the night. If you're old enough to remember, then you're lucky. Rowan, of course, I think has written on this and can give you the full version over a beer if you've got two days spare, but there was a meeting of a regular meeting between two great aerialists called Vanderhaar and Knights that really was the, it, it became, it's become sort of the iconic, what we've lost from the seventies and eighties, mm. hasn't it? Mm. You know, oh, yeah. Why, why football's worse? Because we don't have, and invariably the clash where Knights, the center half back and Vanderhaar, the center half forward flew for their marks all game. Well, 
in modern football, you don't max up like you did in the past. So it's not for the full 100 minutes. But we had two the game's two great aerialists, Daniel Howe and Liam Ryan, playing on each other. Jeremy Howe. Sorry, Jeremy Howe. Um, Daniel Howe plays for Hawthorne, I think. He does. Howe on Ryan. Howe, an early claim for one of the marks of the year as usual. Yep. Later in the game, Ryan flies and takes a specky over Howe. It was very exciting when to see those two with the high ball coming. Really took you back. And I just want to talk about the other matchup. I reckon I'm talking about a matchup between the most underrated player in the AFL lined up on the most overrated player in the AFL. And they were? Very tough on the most overrated because the guy's a star. But in two short weeks, like Danny Frawley said, he's the best. Last week, Danny Frawley said the number one player in the AFL is Jordan Dugowie. He's a very good player, but people are just throwing him in the top three or five. That's why he's overrated. And he had to play against Brad Shepard, who came back into the team as quietly as I sneak into the house at 3.30am on a Sunday morning when I've broken curfew. You know, it was shoes off, don't make a sound, Shepard, back in the team. He's a good player. Also a very handy lead guitarist with the Hoodoo Gurus. Brad Shepard was. Yeah. He's a different Brad still Shepard. So do you agree that he's a good player, Brad? Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. Underrated. And um, it was a great battle. Dugowie had his wonderful moments, but Shepard, I think, bested him. Yep. Yep. No, so look, great, great win by the Eagles. Collingwood, look, they're, we know they're a really good side, but uh, when it comes to the Eagles, they've got some thinking to do because that's uh, zero from four. For them. All right, next game. Now, how's this for a uh, power-packed finish, Finey? Brisbane, 16-11-107, defeated Port Adelaide, 13-12-90. Now, I was at the Collingwood West Coast game, but keeping an eye on the scores, I went down to the uh, rooms, and uh, at that point, Brisbane, uh, Port Adelaide were 10 points up. And uh, seriously, couldn't have been more than five minutes later. I said to someone, so how did it end up? And they said, oh, 16 points. And I said, oh, Port kicked another one, did they? They said, no, no, Brisbane. What? That's the third win in a row for them, but the third time they've come from behind to win. And they played like they they knew that they were going to bombard Port. Now, what was great about the last quarter was that Port didn't go into their shell and try and defend their score or their lead. Port kept going forward as well. They fell... That goes a lot closer than that final score indicates. Two or three times, Port on the counter-attack, or the counter-punch, were able to get the ball right into the teeth of goal. But they were just denied on two or three occasions. Harris Andrews stood up. Uh, You know who, who, in the end, played a really good sort of brave last quarter was a guy whose current haircut makes him look like he is wearing the world's worst toupee. Not even a toupee. He looks like a bald man that has picked up something from a $2 shop and stuck it on his head. <laughs> Who is it? Mitch Robinson. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Talk yeah. about skunk on head. And a red one. Too. Yeah, I mean, it is his hair, I believe, but it looks terrible. Yeah. McLaggish was great. Oh, McLaggish. Did he get a goal in that last quarter? Bit of an error by Port and Ned. Robbie Gray, you don't expect him, A, to be in the back pocket, and B, to foul things up, but he, he just thought he could take on, uh, look, it might have been Jared Berry or Lincoln McCarthy, who took a great mark and kicked a great goal. Did you see the McCarthy mark? That was a ripper. Anyhow, I'm just saying... 
McCluggage was great. Brisbane are exciting. Mm. And Port, even though they lost, lose no fans. Because you know who was there when the whips were cracking right throughout the night? Rosie. Your, oh, man, no, Bud, your man Butters. Uh, yeah. We've got to talk about Rosie. I mean, Rockliffe got knocked out. Yeah. We've got to talk about Rosie. Very uh, good. Five goals in his third game yeah, of I'm AFL saying, footy. So they are. They don't take the four points. Mm. I know Ken Hinckley was very frustrated there in that last quarter because they just kept breaking down when you thought... They had a couple of chances almost to ice the game. Mm. And they got right within the teeth of goal. They maybe mucked that up a bit themselves. But I will say this, for both of those teams, coming from... I'm not saying from the back of the pack, but coming from outside the eight, they play much better football than sides that were above them. Just their mentality. Their mentality is so much better, say, than North Melbourne's, than Melbourne's. Even Hawthorne, who've won a couple, these teams are far more, far braver. Yeah, well, Port is a much better side for being a more attacking side again. I don't know what happened to them uh, mentally last year, the way they just sort of seem so obsessed with being a strong defensive side because the previous year um, they'd been second for points scored but also second for points against. So it wasn't like they were weak defensively anyway. Um, I just think Kenny pulled the wrong rein there. But I think, again, balance. They've got that balance restored. And, yeah, I, no, I, I think the longer the season goes, the more a narrow loss to the Lions at the Gabba will look like a pretty respectable result. So, um, you know, what are they? Are they 1-2 now? Yeah, they're 1-2, aren't they? Do Port? You, are they? No, 2-1. Oh, 2-1. Do you rate Alex Witherden? Uh Yeah, I do. I do. So I, I, at the side of the year, I didn't rate him at all. He Because he, he's a beautiful kick, they just kept getting the ball to him. I watched him. He made a few errors in that last quarter, but he's this is what I love about their coach. He hasn't stopped him from being the kick out of the back line, but he's obviously impressed on him that you only play in this team if you put your body on the line. Yeah. I, 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 this bloke, Fagan, he has... No, they're playing for him, Brisbane. But, but he, he has not quelled... In getting them more accountable, he has not taken away the rights of the players to play well. Oh, and I think he's given the... I think he's given some of the younger guys leadership as well. I mean, I, I think I talked about last week uh, with it and chewing out um, Ryan Bastanak after he let uh, a North player, uh, I think it was Cunnington, get off the chain for an important goal. So, no, it's all it's all looking good for them. And, and Port, yeah, certainly no need to hit the panic button for them yet. Alright, uh, time to talk about our next game. All right, first cabber off the rank on the Sunday uh, trifecta of games. And this, uh, probably the upset of the season thus far. Uh, would it be? Yeah, I think it would be. Gold Coast, 10-13-73, five-point victors over the Western Bulldogs, 9-14-68. What a fantastic effort by the Suns. They've played twice at Marvel Stadium, now won one and lost the other one by a point. Um they're going great guns, and uh, credit to their players and their coach, Stewie Dew. Ignore the ruck importance of a ruckman in the AFL at your own peril. I said it, it was a bad thing for Carlton. The Callum Sinclair, in the end, was one of the main reasons that Sydney won. And go a day ahead, same venue, 
same thing. Tim English got monstered by wits, and then Peter Wright would come into the ruck and also take full control of that situation. Now, uh, Tim English at the moment just doesn't have the body to play against these big men like wits. It gave first service to the fleet of underrated midfielders for the Gold Coast, Fiorini, excellent. And then he gets the ball out quickly and gives Jack Barton, can do anything. Well, he's starting to look like it now, isn't he? Gee, it's taken a while with yeah, Jack does. Martin. It does. He's, his tank finally seems to at least be three-quarter full. You know, he's not a power runner, but at least he gets out of the goal square now. Mm. Uh, Sexton is clever and dangerous. Yeah, on a weekly basis. And so they, and they've, got, they've got some blokes, really. They could be playing... They could be playing suburban football and you would not bat an eye. If if I told you Sam Collins signed a really nice deal for Baldwin this year, yeah, would you yeah. bat an eye? No. Because he's a bloody good AFL football. Yeah. Well, but you know, the other thing I'm noticing is the same names bobbing up on a weekly basis now. And I think that's been a big issue, whether injury or, or form or whatever. I think they've really struggled to get continuity. Now, Sexton's one. He's been doing it for a while now. Um, but one of these young guys, and they've got a lot of them, you're still wondering about how consistently they do it, but Jack Bowes, I reckon it's the third week out of three, he's bobbed up in the best players. So he's certainly starting to do it. Fiorini, I think, is is starting to do it. Um, and at a more senior level, Jack Martin. And remember the raps on Jack Martin when he first got picked up. I mean, he's never come close to delivering on that, but now we're seeing him play well on a more regular basis. You know, perhaps it, it for some of these players, and we... Perhaps we conveniently forgot about how many of them there were. And now under a coach that they clearly like and they've been given a bit more license with, the growth is starting to come. So it's it's great to see. They've got some con- contributions from players that couldn't make it at their stronger clubs. Haven't been brilliant. I'm not saying that Murdoch's been brilliant. I'm not saying that Miles has been brilliant. But they're there. Tuke Miller's an improved type. Yeah. Um. Then they had a guy, he didn't get much of the ball, but in the frantic, and they were very frantic the last five minutes, he really stood up. I wasn't sure who it was. I found out his name. I think I've forgotten his name twice, and I think it may be Braden Crossley or Costley Braden or somebody. I don't know. I don't know who it was. I don't know who it was, but but he was good. Um, And I just want to finish by saying, if I played at a club with Jack Bowes, I would have invested him with the nickname Pussies. No. Have you not heard that expression? No. At Pussies Bow? No. It means something. It, it, you know, it, it's getting really close down. It's a bit rude. A bit down and close and really at eye level with something. Okay. All right. So I, thought, um, I agree. I think Pussy's playing well. I can tell you something far more interesting about Jack Bowes, that his uh, grand-uncle was Bill Bowes, famously a part of the Bodyline series. I bow to your Bowes knowledge. Did you know that? No. No, no. I wrote that story when I went up there a couple of years ago. Yeah, he's grand. Is that right? What grand part did he play in the Bodyline uncle. series? Was he Bill a- Bowes. He, he, was, pl- he, he was an English fast I'm saying that because he was not Australian. No, no, he wasn't. I was going to say he was he was under the 
Jardine Correct. school of Correct. knock them out cold. But Jack is like two generations removed, so like don't expect when you meet Jack, don't expect him to have an English accent or whatever. He's Gold Coast born and bred. All right, so, so he's not trying to damn these Australians. <laughs> Confound Bradman, I've got a plan. A <laughs> uh, quick word on the Bulldogs: how how much should they worry about that? Do you think? Not no, they shouldn't worry about it at all. But they should worry about their ruckman. They should be wrapped with Aaron Norton, mm. who. He's got such a good pair of hands. Yeah, you almost pinched it for him. He's going to be an AFL star. With by the end of the year, everybody will wish they had a Norton on their team. Mm, Shacky again, one week good, one week not so good. I guess that's part of the Shacky formula. But they would be delighted with the first real standout performance of Bailey Smith for three quarters. Got a bit tired at the end. For three quarters, he was their best in and under player. I don't know whether. He's, it's a prank to try and make himself look as ugly as possible. He's a good-looking kid with good-looking parents. Get rid of the cheesy mo and the mullet. He's got the only mullet in East Malvern, fine. <laughs> I'd say, but it's, <laughs> it's a, he, he, must have a, he must be a character because it, it is an up-yours-finger to all the private school kids and, <laughs> and heavy rate payers from I think the he, Malvern, East Malvern I think area. he wants to be the pioneer of the East Malvern boys. I always, you know, and for people that don't know, I've grown up and lived in that suburb my entire life. But I, East, East I always Mal- wanted there to be an East Malvern boys. I've always felt, <laughs> but just for a moment, I've always felt that East Malvern is a little bit like Germany during the 30s and 40s. Like the, what, like, fascist? No. Well, in a way... Of all suburbs, East Malvern is the most expansionist suburb in in Victoria. Yeah, it just it consumes Chadston. Yeah, well, it, just it rolls, has consumed. It Chadston. rolls on bigger and bigger because everybody yeah. around there, whether you lived in Chadston yeah. or Carnegie, even or yeah. or bloody Tarnit, wanted to have Malvern as yeah, an yeah. address. No, I remember when they officially rezoned uh, what was Chadston to East Malvern, and not rezoned. It was an Anschluss. It was like Germany taking over Austria. It, that's the part I live in now. I've lived in like five different addresses in East Malvern and never seen a mullet in any of them. So well done, Bailey Smith. Because people in Chadston, like the people of Austria, accepted and welcomed being overtaken. Because it was good for their land values. For Austrians to be Nazis. <laughs> no, no, I'm saying they welcomed the Germans, just like you Chadston people, welcomed East Malvern. Yeah, I don't care anymore. All I know is it's hard to park around Christmas time where we live. Um, all right, let's move on. All right, second last game of round three, and it was a good win for the Hawks. 13-9-87, 16-point victors over North Melbourne. 10-11-71. Um, North looked far the superior team, finally, in that first quarter, but Hawthorne really did a number on them after that. Just tightened up, made ball movement a lot more difficult for the Roos. Um, and plus, they just had – they looked more potent up forward particularly. Luke Bruce, what a star. He was uh, – I was doing the boundary today for 3RW, and he was getting a fair bit of treatment on his back and hip early in the piece. They had him on the bike. You know, it was clearly a concern. Well, he just what comes – did they need milk and bread? Yeah, good one. Uh, <laughs> comes on and kicks a lazy five goals. Chad Wingard didn't do a lot, but there you go. He ends up with three goals. Do you find that his tattoos look a lot worse in a Hawthorne jumper than they did in Port? Yeah. They sort of blend in with the yeah, brown. Yeah, no, they do. They, they don't do. stand out properly. No, correct. Um, speaking about standing out, Ben McAvoy. He's been so good for Hawthorne. You, that must really cut you to the core because... We obviously haven't seen the development of Rowan Marshall, who is the... Most exciting up and coming yeah, rugby in the Yeah, I struggle to believe St Kilda gave away, big boy. Um, and look, the Roos picked up a couple of players for him. 
and one of them is still part of the team. Yeah, okay. Savage, good, no yeah. problem. Yeah, I'd rather have McAvoy. Um, well, hang on, hang on, hang on. No, well, hang on, let's talk about this game. We're running ha- hang out on, of... you're right. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, North are a real worry. I've got to say, I, I, I was impressed with them last year. I thought their recruiting was spot on. I expect them to be a real force this year and hit the ground running, and they got absolutely taken apart by Fremantle. Um, what did they do in round two? Did they lose two last week? Um, the, the round one, they lost to... It's Fremantle. They got smashed yeah. by Fremantle. And they should have beaten Brisbane at home last week. Oh, yeah, Brisbane ran over the top of them, and now they've lost to the Hawks, and they're 0-3 and in a world of pain. Okay, North Melbourne, I think, have got a real problem. I think there are too many career footballers in the North Melbourne side. What do you mean by that? The guys who are, you know, if you play AFL football and you can play it for 10 to 12 years, you can set yourself up for life. I mean, it's, if you can earn... Four, too many guys who like just being an AFL footballer and it doesn't mean enough to them. They just get Success. picked They get picked every week. Well, name mates. They're, look, they're defenders. I bet you're going to say out we. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Why, why wouldn't I say it? No, no. I'm, why wouldn't I say it? No, I'm not saying you shouldn't. I'm just saying I bet you're going to say it. Yeah, Atley. I will say it. Why shouldn't I say Goldstein? You know, he, he when when he looked like he was on the outer there for a short period of time with Braden Proust two years ago, he went away and redefined himself and came back in 2018 ready to resume the mantle of number one Ruckman. He did. And I think he's just cruising again because he's got that. Proust isn't there. Campbell's not going to usurp that position. And I think he's back in the comfort zone, and that's not good enough. Yeah, the one guy. Yeah, no, fair point. Yeah, the one guy you can't say that about, Sean Higgins. Yeah, but and, he's only second chance. He sees football maybe a little bit differently. They got a lot of players that get picked every week, and they do they do honestly? Do they do enough? Do they are they good enough? Are they going to take North Melbourne? North Melbourne had to lift from last year. I think a lot of guys are pretty comfortable with how they get around the ground. I think your Terrence and Thompsons and that back line just hasn't changed very much, really. No, I think they've really missed Magic Door. Yeah, I thought well last year Magic Door, you know, he was impassable at centre half back, went in the ruck. You could throw him forward if you you know, he was really putting fingers in dikes. I think Ben Brown's really struggling without enough key position support. Yeah. But too. at least he, he you know that he ben, was ordinary you, today. He well, he is, and he's been ordinary all year, but that's frustrating for him, and I think he knows it, whatever. He's not saying, well, I get picked anyhow, and I'm just going to survive and, and do what Yeah, I, you're not questioning his attitude. I'm not questioning yeah. his attitude. I don't question Cunnington. I think he's a great, desperate, oh, yeah, yeah. A great desperate footballer. He was good today. But I love Cunnington. I, I think he's, a, you know, a desperately, a, a really hard-working, a hard-working type of footballer. I guess you could question whether he's a match winner. Well, you know, he's a match winner if the people around him that should be match yeah. winners live up every week. I don't question Jack Zebel. I know he's used forward, but I think, you know, I know I, I, I he puts his, his, all his career has put his body on the line. He's put himself in. He's gone in, you know, damn hard and damn often. Mm. Um, but other guys, Wright came back today, didn't he? I know he's had injury concerns. Whether it was him or Marley Williams didn't really matter. No, right, didn't. Come he didn't. Back. He didn't come back. I no. thought he was coming back. Um, I just feel that North Melbourne have a lot of players that play every week. I'm going to be hard on a guy I, I did some radio with and I like. I think Jamie McMillan gets a lot of the ball, 
but either the coach or Jamie needs to get more out of himself because he's 30 touches every week, a standard, and he means he gets picked every week, but I don't think it lifts them to any great heights. All right, let's, uh, enough on the roads. Let's talk about the winners because uh, really impressive by the Hawks given. They were down by 30 points, weren't they? Well, they were. Uh, 28 or something, but uh, no Shields, yep. no Burgoyne, yep. no Ruffett who was a late withdrawal, yeah, yeah, yeah. apparently, according to Isaac Smith, because Chad Wingard tried to take a hanger on him and gave him a corky, um, which is interesting. They should but, use those bags. Well, I don't know. I don't know if he was kidding or you what. You know those I, big foam bags? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but given those circumstances, a particularly good win by the Hawks, I think, and maybe their depth is better than people give them credit for. Okay, I'll tell you who was really good for them today when they needed to turn the game around. I thought Ben Stratton lifted the captain. Oh, yeah. I thought another player who must, you know, take his shoes off when he gets home, not to make a sound, very quiet, Ricky Henderson. Very good. Yeah, it's starting to look like George Clooney too, Ricky Henderson. He's got the distinguished grey in his head. He was, he was, even before Jager O'Meara took the game by the balls. Yeah. He turned the midfield imbalance around. Um, You know, Pollock plays one way. I think Pollock's a good pickup, don't get me, you know, I think it's worth having a play like that. But he's a one-way runner. And I think um, a couple of times Henderson, who might have been in his vicinity, maybe nominally playing around him, um, uh, exploited that. Isaac Smith, not known for his, not known for, but you know what, he should be known more for his courage and his willingness to put the body on the line. Oh yeah, no, a couple. Of, uh, How about that great mark? It's a great in the mark. Second quarter. Terrific Is it second quarter? Yeah, I think so. So, I, the players that turned it around for them were, I think, those players. And then, wasn't Jager O'Meara not only good, but more... He, he was able to do exactly what I said North players couldn't do. Didn't he lift? Yeah, he did. He, he did. Didn't he say Didn't he say to himself, hang on, you know, Yeah. this is my time. There's no Tom Mitchell. This is me. There's no Burgoyne. It's me or nobody. Yeah. He got in the zone. Yeah, no, he's terrific. You know the one thing we were going to do today and we haven't? Brevity. Yeah. Oh, well, could happen. All right, last game. Okay, final game of round three. It was at Optus Stadium in Perth, and it resulted in a thrilling five-point win to Fremantle. 11 goals, 5-71. Defeated St Kilda, 9 goals, 12-66. Three goals to Matera, couple each to Tabena and Walters. Uh, three to Gresham for the Saints. Um, what did you make of it, Finey? This is exactly what we were talking about earlier. In an even competition, self-belief and confidence that only comes with wins can carry you a long way. And I'll say this for St Kilda. They lost the game and and Frio fair and square won it with Nat Five accidentally knocked out in the third quarter when your clear best player and captain isn't there for a... a Tough last quarter and you hang on. Doesn't matter whether it's at home or in the Kakadu. It's a it's a good win. So well done, Freya. But I'll say this for St Kilda. St Kilda of last year, trailing six goals to one, ten minutes into the second quarter, would have compounded and it would have been a very long afternoon for St Kilda fans. Couple of wins at the start of the year, bit of a, a close squeak against Gold Coast. Essendon, well off their tucker in round two, maybe, maybe not, maybe it was St Kilda, gave this team enough belief to carry it all the way to the end. And for St Kilda fans, the good news is 
the teams in the season involved. They play Hawthorne next week and can be hopeful, if not optimistic. So it just shows exactly how much confidence and self-belief plays because the very same team could have absolutely been thrashed last year. It's sort of ironic in a way, isn't it, that their, their loss in a way, might have done more for their credibility as a side this season than the, the either two. of their two wins. Absolutely. This this was a very credible performance. Would have been seen by more people because they could have played a lot of games Saturday, Sunday, Arvo. They're the hidden games. But when you're the last game of the round, a lot of people watch that. And teams do get overrun there. North got overrun in round one playing in the West. You, you know, GWS got overrun in round two playing West Coast. Mm. So there is some kudos to be gained from that performance. I, I will say St Kilda's structure up much better this year. Um, harder to break through their half-back line than last year. And last year they played this kamikaze play on football thinking that's how Bulldogs and Richmond won flags. And in doing so, opened up opportunities aplenty for the opposition. So not necessarily the most attractive team to watch play or exciting, but for St Kilda fans... Less pain than last year, guaranteed. They're more exciting than they were, and Gresham's having some sort of season. Yeah, he is. Just on for Fremantle, um, Sun Sun. Oh, yeah. No, he's very good. Very good. Michael Walters, isn't he, when he's on? I still reckon they need more of that, though. And you know what? I I don't... It's funny. This is a win that doesn't necessarily enhance their credibility. I can't help but still think of them as a bit of a flat-track bully. Yeah, they've got tall defenders that that really... Aerially, will not get beaten much. I'm telling you, Hamling, Ryan, and Duman. Strange name, Taylor Duman. Is that a real name? Uh, My name is Taylor Duman. Well, it's not an but It sounds like, you know, I am Duman. Um, speaking of, I'm just ignoring this now. Uh, speaking he played well, Taylor Duman. Good. Speaking of credibility, uh, squarely on the line for the Dockers next week with a derby. Or Derby, as they call it over there. But uh, You know what, what they call it over there? The only game of the round. Have you ever been there f- for the build-up to a Derby? Uh, no, I don't think I have. Yeah, well, don't if you if you are over there mm. and you don't bang for either of those two, two teams, there's not a lot of media about anything else that yeah. happens in the world. No, they can be a little myopic on occasion, our, uh, our Western states. Brethren. And in other news, North Korea landed two <laughs> nuclear bombs in Sydney and Melbourne. Back now to the build-up to the Derby. All right, that is uh, the end of Wraparound for this week. All nine games done and dusted. Uh, let's move on to our next segment. On Footyology, hot or not. All right, uh, we all know how this works by now. Highlights, lowlights, three of each. Uh, I'm going to let you kick us off this week, Finey. Fire away. I'm going to start with a hot, and I really felt at the start of the season that Geelong were just hoping to drain the last bit of blood out of the stone that is Dangerfield, Ablett and Selwood, but they obviously were a lot smarter than not just me the rest of the football world because they were quietly stockpiling some youngsters. They had a couple that they'd been workshopping. So Charlie Constable had been there for a while, but their list revitalisation that allows their star players, or at least nominally star players, to spend time outside of the midfield is working a treat, isn't it? They're looking very good. And it's the Brian Myers of 
this world that is making it happen. You love that name, don't you? Uh, I think it was a mistake, but (laughs) (laughs) not as big a mistake as Jackson with two X's. But all those ins have done something, haven't they? I mean, I really like Myers' coolness up forward. Constables provided them something uh, midfield. What speaking about cool? What about Jordan Clark? What a cool customer he is. Fantastic. We didn't see only because of injury, that much of Asava Radigalia last year, but he's a great second ruck, the perfect foil that can act as a follower for part of the game and provide a an option up forward. He's very fast. He's a really he's a really interesting, tough matchup wherever he plays, isn't he? Oh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, you'd have to say their imports have been pretty good too. Dowhouse has done the job he was brought in to do. Rowan is Gary Rowan. You know, he's a bit mercurial, probably doesn't get the ball enough. But every time he does, he seems to have some sort of impact on play. So, oh, look, hats off to them. And uh, I I was like you. I mean, I I ended up squeezing him into my eight, but not with a great deal of confidence. I don't know how far do you reckon they can go? I haven't said this since their last, since 2011, probably, all the way. You didn't say they could go all the way even in 2013? They lost a preliminary by no, a kick. No, I really felt then, those preliminary final appearances, and I know it was only a kick to Collingwood. It was Collingwood, wasn't it? No, Hawthorne. Uh, Hawthorne, sorry. Mm. Yeah, I, I felt that they were, but they their position had become inflated because of by their, the home guards. But because of their, and nothing wrong with it. Mm. I'm not saying they shouldn't have this mm. because of the luxury afforded to them by playing at home. Yeah, well, no, no, I, I think there's something in that. Although, you've got to remember, had Travis Varco's snap in the last minute of that preliminary final gone through, I reckon they would have won the premiership because I reckon they would have knocked over Fremantle the next week. Gee, we'd have a lot of premiers if yeah, it's if like, preliminary final ifs and maybes were yeah. counted as well. Who would have won the most? St Kilda would be right up there in the if premiership count, wouldn't they? If... If only I didn't marry for them. Yeah. Uh, that's the biggest if. And you know who's a huge if team? I, I feel has until of course they broke the they got the monkey off the back was the Bulldogs. Yeah, a, a million ifs in '97. Yeah, well, what was it? Seven losing preliminary finals. Yeah. All right, uh, that's enough for your first one. I'm going. I'm actually going with three hots this week. I've decided to be nice and how positive are you? Oh, I'm super po- unusually positive for me. My first one goes to Stuart Dew, um, who I don't think, uh, maybe he will now, but I don't think he's been given enough credit th- thus far for what he's done. I mean, and even going back before he took the Gold Coast job, uh, he was a big chance to get the Melbourne job. In fact, he was probably the favourite, really. And um, he decided in the end it wasn't for him. He didn't want to... It wasn't so much doing the apprenticeship under Paul Ruse. It was, uh, you know, picking up some more valuable experience at Sydney, a perennial finalist, and then taking command not only of his own list, I guess, but almost a club. And he's had to do it now twice, really, because they've had to virtually remake this club again post the departure. He's lost three captains in two pre-seasons, Gary Ablett and then Stephen May and Tom Lynch. Everyone, I would be staggered if anyone didn't have Gold Coast as their wooden spooner for the start of this year, and maybe they will be, but they are two from three, having lost the other game by one point, and they have just been magnificent. I I think I've loved their effort. Their young guys are are standing up and doing the job. They hung on again against the Bulldogs and uh, won another one on the road. Um, Just terrific performances from them. Stuart Dew has... 
really, I, I reckon, shown courage to jettison guys who were reasonably experienced, but he felt weren't the way forward. Jared Lyons is perhaps an example of that. Uh, Michael Barlow might have been jettisoned prematurely. But his faith in these younger guys and and some ragtag sort of imports from other clubs is paying off. And they're two from three, could have won three. And credit where it's due. I think Stewie Dew deserves a massive pat on the back for what he's done so far. Okay, what I'm about to say is completely irrelevant, or I'm going to ask you. It, it, it has been, everything you said is correct. The camaraderie there, the lack of... Um, you know, they're not gun-shy. They're out there to win games of football despite what everybody said would happen to them. But is there anybody... I, I just think it's very unusual for a coach of a team in a world-famous sporting competition to be that large. I just can't think of any. Seriously. Um, it, when, I, when I see him... You've it, said this before. I just want to know... I just. I'm putting it out there. Maybe people can respond. Well, he's a, he's it's a, irrelevant. It's yeah, irrelevant it is to irrelevant. the position. But when I do see him, I find it outside the curve. Um, yes, but it has absolutely zero impact on his coaching ability. No, of he's, course it does. He's a thick-set sort of guy, Stewie, and there's no need and, for him to be in tip-top condition no, now. I'll tell you, in the workplace, there certainly is um, prejudice against uh, body size and being overweight. And I, I wonder you know, whether there are sporting organisations in the world that would interview a guy like Stuart Dew and people would be reticent to hire him because of his physical condition. Well, that would be pathetic. All right, come on. There would be reasons. Next. There would be reasons given. Well, you're very defensive. Well, why do you think that is, funny? I'm saying it's wrong. But he said it's trying, desperately trying to suck in his burgeoning gut. <laughs> okay. Next is a not. Earlier in the week, uh, there was a sort of um, doorstop press moment at a Carlton function with their president, I think it's president of Carlton, Mark Lugzudice, and he said something, I guess just a throwaway line, but I don't think it's a throwaway line, and I think it's the wrong thing to say. He said, uh, we're very positive at Carlton, the club's moving in the right direction. Now... Of course, when you finish on the bottom in a, team, in a competition without relegation, there's really only two directions you can move in, and that is sideways or the same and up. And to be honest, after losing the first two games, he's giving a, a sort of a, a tick to the direction they're heading in, which is letting the coaching staff, headed by Brendan Bolton, and the playing staff off the hook because they are going tracking exactly the same way as they always track and have for years and it's not good enough it's simply of course with draft picks they're going to get a slightly better team over time but again they have a, a noblish performance against Richmond but a loss pre-season good because they and bottom teams do try harder than top teams uh, encouragement we're now three games in and we are Norton three with the same with, with little change, where's the the improvement would be if they if they're on the way up, they'd be starting to score more. They'd be starting to attack better. And yeah, they've got some good young players, but really, the president's just saying something. It it it's a an off the cuff remark. He should be saying we're not happy with the start of the season. This isn't good enough. We cannot continue to long. You know to be. The first team 
that certainly can't make the eight. It's a bad start for us. Not things are good, we're on the way up. Yeah, no, I've, uh, it's a fair argument, and I've heard a few Carlton people since Saturday express a similar view. I, I reckon, though, I look at them and I think they are clearly a better credentialed side this season than last season. Because I, they've picked up some Sam Walsh in the draft. Oh, and, yeah, but I think guys like Zach Fisher continue to improve. I think Harry Mackay looked very promising um, yesterday. I don't know. I, I sort of I, I get what you're saying. I think it's more a thing a coach should say, though. I think a chairman is more big picture. And if you're talk, looking at the bigger picture, I, I can fully understand why he's said what he said. Um, should they have improved quicker than they have? Uh, I think it's unfair to compare them with other sides uh, who've been around the bottom of the ladder in recent years because I don't think other sides bottomed out to the extent that they did. I think they were at the bottom. Brisbane came down to them and are now sort of bouncing back up ahead of them. Yeah, but I'm not sure Brisbane had to remake an entire list. They certainly... Brisbane had something pretty tough. When they started to have... When they started facing the rebuild, Mm. after a year, they lost three or four of their best players who just wanted to go... Yeah, yeah. Elliot Yo, Doherty, Crisp... Yeah. Just didn't want to be there. Uh, who imagine, are the others? Carnitas and Longer. Yeah, but the those three, imagine if they were, you know, they are three good yeah. footballers. Yeah, no, look, uh, uh, there's no doubt. I mean, they, they've done it perfectly, and um, I have some sympathy for what you're saying. I think it's an interesting debate, and uh, Carton fans, if you have particular views on it, feel free to uh, leave a comment on the end of our podcast on the footyology.com.au website. And I'll be expanding on it in my written article on the Footyology website, Farney's Final Siren, the, which, pen, the pen version. Which should be up online by uh, 10 a.m. tomorrow, correct, it, Mark? It will be. Okay. Let's see. Um, odds. Right. <laughs> what do the odds make us well, say? I, I really hope it is. Um, all right, I'm going with another hot, and uh, his name is Andrew Gaff, and he is a superstar. And uh, we all know what happened last year, and I think the remorse he showed was genuine, and I think it was a one-off, absolute brain fade. I can't think of many players in the competition less likely to do something like that, and I think everyone's entitled to a mistake. He's cost him um, playing in a premiership team, which is never really going to get over. Um, Playing in another one might help, and I think he's every chance of doing that, but I was at that game last night, and he was just incredible. And when you're there, um, and I was sitting up in the radio box of 3RW, so I had that you know sort of big picture uh, view of the whole ground. His work rate is as good as any midfielder I've ever seen. The amount of territory he covered. There was one passage of play, I think, in the third quarter, where he took possession on the wing, out on the um, outer wing. And within 20 seconds, he was right over on the member's wing picking up another possession. Never stops running. Collingwood probably helped his cause a bit by not paying too much attention to him. God knows why. But uh, for a first game back, uh, you know, a bit of pressure on. There'd been a fair bit of focus on him during the week. He handled that with aplomb. And he just came out and did what he always does. He racked up, uh, what, 35 disposals. 13 of them contested, so there used to be a view that he was a bit of a soft outside sort of player. He wins plenty of hard ball. In fact, he led West Coast for clearances. He won five of them. He led them for centre clearances. He won three of them. He must have covered more territory than any other player on the ground. And what a player to be able to bring back into an already 
premiership winning team. He is an absolute superstar, Andrew Gaff. North almost got him, they reckon? Yeah, close. They were close, but uh, unfortunately seems to be a bit of a recurring theme with North. I'll finish with a hot agree, by the way. I think that was uh, well put by you, mate. Thank you. Um, and I'm going to finish off. It's good to be positive. Um, I don't know whether you're actually allowed to do three hots, but I'll do a second hot. And my second hot is watching Brisbane. Because they are, I know you say they're everybody's second team, and it's probably true. But they are so much fun to watch. Mm. See, Eric Hipwood is a crazy dude up forward. He's a, a magnificent man in a high-flying machine. His body almost took an incredible specky up against the goalpost. He does weird and wonderful things. He, he looks, his face sort of looks, he looks a bit anemic, doesn't he? Do you reckon he looks like sort of a, an emo band lead singer or something? He, I know exactly what you're talking about. He he looks like the sitcom c- character in the 70s family, the dopey older brother, not the main character. <laughs> Doesn't he? Not the main character. He's you not know, dopey. I've met him. He's quite intelligent. Yeah, but guy. do you know what I mean? That look? <clears throat> yeah, yeah, I do. I do. Shaggy, what would he be called? Uh, uh, Chuck. Yeah. He, Chuck. He, there's, a, there's a little scene, excellent animated series called F is for Family. He looks like and acts like the older brother in that program. <laughs> okay, so I like him. Charlie Cameron is a highlight reel unto himself, sometimes good for the team, sometimes not good for the team. Uh, I like McLuggage. I just like a lot of their players. Harris Andrews has some daring do out of the back line. Stefan Martin, not playing brilliantly, but he's the sort of follower I like. I find them a good watch. I'm not saying that I find them a brilliant team yet, but... <clears throat> They are, we know one thing. Watching them tells me that their coach lets them go out there and play the football they want to play. No doubt. They are not over, yeah. they are not structured to the point of being harassed by a coach who drains the life out of them. Yeah. No, I couldn't agree more. I, I think that's, you can, you can, it is really tangible in the way they play footy and, and full credit to Chris Fagan for that. You, you, um, what's that line, that great, uh, great comedy. Um, here we go. Will Ferrell and... Uh, Anchorman? Uh, no, no, not Anchorman. Will Ferrell and uh, Dirk Diggler off... Uh, what's his name again? Mark Wahlberg. Mark Wahlberg. Uh, about the two cops. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and he goes, I'm a, I'm a peacock. Let me fly. That's <laughs> you know? Well, yeah, that's, I've seen that movie three times. I can't remember uh, the name. What's it's it called again? Uh, the Other Guys. The Other Guys. Yeah, great. Yeah. Funny movie. You know why that's a great movie? Well, it's funny. It, spoiler alert. It's. I think it's very funny, but the it does something. Scene. It does something I've always wanted in movies, where the huge stars get killed off yeah. after two minutes. Yeah, I know. It's a, it's you just well, can't believe that. That's, that's the funniest part. So like that and Tropic Thunder have the best openings to movies. But I think it's I've the ever Rock seen. and um, yeah, um, Lawrence, not Lawrence Fishburne. I'll, I'll be. They're impossibly cool. Yeah, um, but you know, two major actors, and I've always wanted that. I've always thought, well, once you know that. That character is a, the star of the movie. You know he's not going to get killed for the first 110 minutes, but that's... But what about the way they get killed? Yeah, it's great. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, many spoiler alerts, but if um, yeah, it's a really good movie. And yeah. if you haven't seen it, don't worry, because we've just ruined it. Yeah. So let's not talk about The Sixth, uh, the sixth Sense, because that's, uh, that's a shocking spoiler alert. Um, all right, my last hot, and yes, this is we are creating footyology history here. First time I've ever given three hots. 
But it goes to the Essendon captain, Dyson Heppelfani, who I thought needed to step up and lead from the front after uh, two fairly ordinary performances from his team. And on Friday night against Melbourne, one of the best games I reckon Dyson's played. 27 disposals, 8 marks, 5 tackles. But it wasn't just the raw numbers. I'm so glad you said that. He did so much brave stuff. Exactly. I've never seen... And it's not that he hasn't done it before, but it's sort of underlined to me how much of it he does that doesn't get talked about. Because he doesn't look like a, a tough player necessarily, but he was at the bottom of every pack. He was in every scrap desperately trying to smother Melbourne opponents. He just did absolutely everything humanly possible to drag his side over the line. And in the end, he did. I thought one of the very best handful of games he's ever played for the Bombers. Incidentally, Finey, uh, he's been playing for Essendon since 2011. With the exception of one season, his first, he's finished top five in the best and fairest at least every single season. And I think he has now, and there were were some misgivings early, I think he has now turned himself into a terrific captain, and I think the other players really admire and respect him and try to follow his lead. So, you know, it was a good good response from Essendon. It needed to be, and it was led from the front. Fantastic effort. Dyson Heppel. Look, just quickly on him. This is, nothing is made of this. It's never said by anybody within the club about Dyson. But he's had really tough injury um, con- you know, limitations for over a season now. And it's sort of around his groin, maybe the old OP type thing. And it limits his kicking, limits his running. And I guarantee you, what he did was play this great captain's game in the zone on Friday night. He was also in a fair bit of pain as well. Yep. Uh, it was super effort by Dyson. Yep, no, well done. Thanks for backing me up. All right, that's it. Our highs and lows of round three. And you know what comes next. We get all fired up. On Footyology, the rant off. All right, Fanny, anything got your dander up? Don't even know where my dander is, but what it is, is it way up. I don't know why I said that. Yeah, so you're, you're angry? Yeah, I, I, I'm angry on behalf of all decent football fans. Oh, that's good. Oh, I think you're, I mean, don't take it personally, but I think your rants have been sort of quite reasoned and sort of lacking in raw animal passion of late. Yeah, I think we might get back to the old days tonight. All right. Bit of ranting and raving? Yeah, I think so. All right. Okay. Well, uh, I don't know any other way, really, so uh, count uh, me in and I'll, um, I'll give it a crack. Three danders, two danders, a dander one. I'm pissed off with Melbourne, Finey. I feel like it's 2009 all over again. The Demons are 0-3 to start the season, and all the talk in the papers is about tanking. The thing is, now I can't work out whether they're talking about when Dean Bailey was coach and they were trying to pick a couple of talented kids called Scully and Treadgove, or they're referring to what's going on in 2019. Ten years ago was a dark chapter in the Demons' history, and the club paid for it, literally and metaphorically. But what on earth is going on now? This is a side that six months ago was playing off for a spot in a grand final. Not for priority draft picks. How's it fallen apart so quickly? Against Geelong a couple of weeks ago, the Demons had something like 278 inside 50s for six goals. And against the Bombers on Friday night, there was so much space in the Essendon forward line at times, it looked like one of those scenic shots of the Rolling Dales in a quaint BBC TV series about a country vet. Something doesn't add up, Finey. Is this a side not playing to its merits? 
Well, you've got to be pretty careful throwing around such suggestions. And there also has to be appropriate motivation to underperform. What could that motivation be in Melbourne's case? One word, finey, snow. Yeah, I know it's a cliche, but given a choice between being stuck in a queue for finals tickets come September or gently sliding down a slope at Buller, don't tell me all those MCC members aren't going to choose the latter every single time. Look, you can show me all those pics of the Demon Faithful at the MCG with their cheeseboard platters and flasks of finest coffee, but how many wouldn't much rather be knocking back a cheeky red at their own chalet while the butler updates them on how many touches that red-headed chappie's had? Footy's a tough business, and even when you're good enough to be part of a final series, it still usually ends in tears. Melbourne knows that, hence the last 55 years without a premiership. I commend the Demons for respecting the wishes of their fan base, Finey. Now enough of all this serious contender rubbish, and ask Jeeves to fetch me another Pims post-haste. You've really gone for the old cliches, and and for the first time, people, for the first time ever during a rant, you've been touching and tapping me. You're that excited about it. No, I just wanted to make sure you were paying attention. I am paying attention. <laughs> All jokes aside, I know it's look, I know they're an easy target, the Melbourne members. But no, it's been But I know a few Melbourne supporters and honestly, talk about getting ahead of themselves over summer. They they almost didn't want to talk football with me. I'd start talking about footy, how are you gonna go this year and oh it's gonna to be tough for the Saints. We're not involved in the bottom eight anymore. So don't talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'll discuss football with Collingwood supporters and West Coast supporters, but mm, we're, we're not involved with the bottom 10. You know what, people? You've lived in that street for the last 50 years thereabouts, and you ain't getting out that easy. So I agree with you. Yeah, and I think a few of their players might have been having those conversations too. All right, I up to, over to you now. Three, two, one, rant. Uh, to say that football fans are frustrated, my friend... Would be an understatement, my friend being Rowan Connolly. There are rules and rule interpretations that have now gone on, and I'm not just talking about the new ones this year. I'm talking about some that go back three, four years, that are so frustrating, so against what would be common sense football, that basically we're on the verge of a mutiny here. Let's start with number one. It's a bugbear of that football commentator, James Brayshaw, known as JB. Well, JB, it's not JB high five, it's JB high from finey, but it is the sliding rule. Well, it's not really slight. That wouldn't be the problem, actually. If it was a matter of every time a player slid in and took somebody's feet from underneath them, like the 10-pin bowling ball striking the head pin and knocking it flying, then we would understand why freeze would be paid. But now, and so often, it's the courageous player first on the ball that is penalised when the latecomer trips over him like a drunk, not noticing the welcome mat after a big night on the tiles. It's a crap rule. It goes against our very fibre of common sense on a football field. And whenever it happens, we think, that's not a free. So let's get rid of it. Number two, a 50 metres for encroaching into the protected area. That must be the sometimes game-deciding worst. A player just meandering past with no, mal, no, no bad intentions, no malcontent he can cost his team the game. Bad rule. Compounded now by you can play on from the 50 and get 100. 
just a stupid run and backwards run by two players in a silly invention that, again, doesn't look like football. Number four, the DRS. I should really let Rowan take over here because the decision review system points touched off the boot, fingers bending, parallax errors go on and on. There was some nervous Nelly in round two who must have gone over the same piece of footage 15 times like it was the last home movie ever taken of him and his wife before the divorce. I know Rowan hates it, and I hate it. And finally, the one, the new one. 666, the team doesn't set up correctly. The umpire comes in, blows the whistle, and says, that's your last warning, like a parent counting one, two, two and a half, two and three quarters and three. They are five rules that frustrate. Rowan, you wanted me to fire up? Well, they're all bloody crap! Oh, good fiery stuff. I liked it. Sounded just like an edition of the old Finey's Final Siren. I missed that show. It wasn't bad. Who did that? A bloke called Finey. Ah. On a station formerly known as SEN. What's it known as now? The other SEN. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you summed up a lot of rules there and disquiet about a lot of rules. But like I think I've said this before, when you say 666, my mind immediately goes back to one of those classic old songs. You've given me just the hook I needed to play it. We're going to leave you with this. Uh, thanks for listening. Hope your team won this weekend. Come on, hurry up, what? Oh, don't be don't be short with our great sponsors. Oh, sorry, yeah, the no, mighty burger. No, I'm short with you. <laughs> that that's standard. The mighty burger boys, Andrews, eighty years young this year, hundred and forty four Bridport Street, the best burger in Melbourne. We know that. But say that you listen to Footyology, and I reckon you might get just looked after a little bit better. And of course, Nick Spartel and Hardwick Co. They are the best builders in town. You spoke about Heppel. I did. His house built by Nick Spartels. Oh, brilliant. What a what a great uh, link that is. I'm telling you, next time you're having a hamburger from Andrews or you're thinking of getting a house built and you happen to be a headbanger, um, make sure you do it all to this soundtrack. We'll see you on Thursday.